morning, everybody. If you can go ahead and grab your seat. Hey, can we give the singers a hand just for leading us in worship this morning? Thank you guys so much. It's an honor to be with you guys. Um, for those that don't know me, my name's Chuck Marr. My wife, Anna, and I and our three girls live in San Antonio, and uh, I'm a regular guest here in this house. I consider this family, um, so it's just such a blessing to be with y'all. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Lowe and the whole team here. And I, and I love to do this. Can we just give honor and thank Jesus for Pastor Lowe and Tammy and the team here at New Life that just love God and love people so well. So thank you guys. And it's an honor to be with you. So how, I didn't see your hands. How many of you appreciate the cold? All right, the rest of you, I don't know what to tell you. I'm from Canada, so it's, uh, it's I love it. But I didn't pray for this, so it's not my fault. Um, you can't blame me for that, but I will take it. Um, it's an honor to be with y'all. And uh, I love to share testimonies because how many of you know God is up to more than we know in the earth? How many of you know God is doing exceedingly abundantly more than we realize upon planet earth? See, sometimes with, with the bad news, all you have to do is turn on the channel, turn on the news. If you want to hear some bad news, how many of you know we need to hear some good news sometimes to keep our heart fresh, to keep our faith strong? And I love to share testimonies. And uh, a, a few weeks ago, um, I was at a church in San Marcos called Sozo Church. And uh, I'm good friends with the pastor there, and he likes to kind of put me on the spot sometimes. So after, you know, at the end of the service, he brought a lady to me who had hearing aids, and he said, will you pray, her name's Martha, will you pray for Martha, um, that God would heal her ears? She was almost fully deaf in one ear and partially deaf in the other. She said, will you pray for her? I said, absolutely. So I asked her a few questions, and then I said this, I said, can you please take out your hearing aids? So she took out her hearing aids, and with her standing right here facing straight that way, I stood beside her where I knew she couldn't read my lips. And I said, what's your name? And she said, Martha. And I took a few steps back. This is after I prayed for her. I said, where do you live? And she told me. I said, do you have any sons and daughters? She told me that. And I kept stepping further and further away. She kept hearing me and responding. And I said, turn around and look at me. I said, can you normally hear from that distance? She said, not at all. And I just want to say that two weeks ago, she came to church and testified in front of the entire church without her hearing aids that she no longer needs her hearing aids and that her hearing was restored. Can we just give thanks to Jesus and give glory to God? And uh, where is um, where is Michelle Cleary in here? Michelle, are you in here? Yeah, you guys appreciate Michelle. Michelle, can you come up here quickly? Just kind of run up here. She didn't know I was going to do this because she um, she shared a few weeks ago after we prayed for some people that God had healed her hips, and I asked her, "Yeah, come on, come on, right up here, Michelle." And uh, I asked her how she's doing, and she shared with me and. Um, Michelle, can you just share with everybody what was wrong with your hips before we prayed? I had a worse hip, hip belly worse, and I had um, a zit in my hip. After that, I had a surgery that time, and I chose my hip belly worse. And after that, I did my exercise. I do do 
running and jumping is not funny anymore. So, so you had a lot of pain in your hip, and you couldn't, you couldn't jump or do exercises. And now that we've prayed, what happened? Uh, he did pray for me really good. I felt it. I feel the pain. It's not hurting anymore. And God is always around me. I'm the one healer. Come on, let's thank Jesus for that. Thank you, Michelle. You can, you can go ahead and grab your seat. I just love to celebrate what it is that God's doing. And I shared those testimonies to encourage you, but also during worship, there's some people that I felt like God was touching. And I'm gonna get to my message, but I just, I wanna be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I felt like there's somebody with uh, either ringing like a tinnitus in your right ear, um, or maybe it's even um, deafness or partial deafness in your right ear. Uh, 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 There's an issue with your right ear, tinnitus, ringing, or deafness. If that's you, can you stand? Because we're gonna pray for you. And that maybe it's more than one person. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, be glorified. Um, I also felt like um, uh, even as Michelle shared her testimony, if you have hip pain at all, any type of pain in either of your hips, I'm going to ask you to quickly stand if that's you. And then um, I felt like God was healing somebody's right knee, specifically the right knee. If you came in with pain in your right knee, if that's you, just quickly stand where you are. And I felt like God was healing wrist pain. So I felt like it was the right wrist, but then I felt like also the left wrist. Any type of wrist pain, I want you to stand where you are because I believe God wants to touch you. Okay, so now listen, church. You, The rest of you, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, you have authority to heal the sick and destroy the works of the devil. So what I want you to do is, if you are not standing, I want you to stretch a hand toward one of the people um, that, are, that are standing. If you're sitting close enough to them, just gently put a hand on them um, where it's appropriate, just on their shoulder or something like that. And I want you to ask them even uh, what it is that they're standing for, okay? Quickly ask them. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna play, pray a quick prayer just, and we're going to command their body to align with heaven. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And even as we've shared these testimonies, I believe God wants to do it again. So let's do this. Out loud, I want you to declare over them, body be healed. Out loud, say body be healed in the name of Jesus. If it's their ear, say ear be healed, knee be healed. Wrist be healed, whatever it is. Just command their body to be healed in the name of Jesus. Take authority over it. Those that are getting prayer, just put thanksgiving on your lips and begin to thank Jesus for what he's doing right now. Just just uh, attach your faith to heaven right now. Father, I thank you for what you're doing all over the room. And I speak to everybody and I take authority over the works of the devil. I take authority over pain, sickness, and disease. And I say, come into alignment now in Jesus' name. Bodies be healed healed now in the name of Jesus. Ears open, ringing stop, pain go in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Those that got prayer, I want you to test it out, try to do something you couldn't do. Move around, bend your knee, move your wrist, see if you can test out your ear, like see what's going on. And even as you're doing that, wave at me right now if you're 80% better or more. The pain's 80% better or more. Wave at me right back here. Let's thank Jesus. 
Jesus right here. Let's thank Jesus right here, right here, right back here. Come on, let's give glory to God. Father, we praise you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I'd love to hear your testimonies. Those that got healed, just come and talk to me later. I'd love to celebrate with you. And I believe that God is on the move. Amen? Well, it's, uh, it's been fun to hear testimonies of those who have bought my book. Um, I wrote a book, Kingdom Perspectives. It's available out in the lobby. So thank you for your feedback and just sharing testimonies about how that's blessing you. My wife's book, Embracing Mystery, A 21-Day Journey of Hope, is out there as well as her children's book. And... Um, she has a new children's book coming out in a week or two. So it's called When God Says No. <laughs> How many of you know that children need to know that when God says no or mom and dad say no, it's not a bad thing? It's because they're protecting you and oftentimes have something better around the corner. Um, so that's going to be available in a couple weeks. All right, if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. starting in verse one. I'm gonna read a lengthy passage of scripture. I'm gonna help you get your Bible reading in this morning. How many of you love the Bible? Who loves the word of God? Come on, do you love scripture? Do you love the God-breathed, God-ordained, authoritative word of God? I love the Bible. John chapter four, verse one, it says this. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. In other words, they were jealous. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back again once more to Galilee. Verse four, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She thought he was talking about water in the natural. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Or, sorry, everyone who drinks the water I give him, okay, everyone drinks this water will be thirsty again. Everyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's still thinking kind of in the natural. Verse 16, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus is getting ready to drop a bomb. You ready for this? You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you now have 
is not your husband. Ouch. What you have just said is quite true. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. It's like, what was her first clue, you know? Verse 20, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She's kind of changing the subject a little bit. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is of the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. If she only knew, right? Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Skip down to verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now go with me to Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three, starting in verse one. Acts 3, verse 1, it says this. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. The title of my message this morning is Stopping for the One. Stopping for the One. In fact, turn to three people and say, Stop for the One. Find three people. Find a neighbor, say, stop for the one. Stop for the one. Stop for the one. (laughs) Stopping for the one. Those who know me and have known me for a while, or maybe even those that have known me a short while, know that one of my, I mean, I've, I've, I've been a pastor, I've been a youth pastor, young adult pastor, associate pastor, um, I've sp- spoken at conferences and events, but those that know me know that one of my primary giftings and primary callings is that of an evangelist, One's that's, one that's called to preach the gospel to, and lead people that don't know Jesus into an encounter with him, to become born again. 
Part of, part of my spiritual gift mix is that of an evangelist. And it has been since the time I got saved. I got saved when I was 16 years old in Canada, and I quickly got a burden, if you will, for the lost, for those that don't know Jesus, for those that don't know God. And I would sometimes just spend time alone with God, just crying for relatives and friends and people in my high school that didn't know him, asking God for an opportunity to share his love with them. To this day, I try to live a lifestyle of ministering to people everywhere I go and asking people if they want to know Jesus. I mean, ask my wife and my three girls. Sometimes it's an adventure just going to Target or just going to Lowe's. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I don't say that to brag. I just say that, and I, and I don't always do a perfect job at it, but I do it to say that I have a conviction that as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be witnesses everywhere we go, telling people about the reality of God that's found in Jesus Christ. My old pastor says all the time, we owe the world an encounter with God. He who's been forgiven much gives much. And one of the things we're called to give is our testimony and letting people know how they can know Jesus. If you don't feel equipped to share the gospel with strangers, let me make it really easy for you. If you're born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, you have everything that you need and you have a testimony. What God has done for you. But I'm an evangelist, and I have friends who are evangelists. In fact, I have friends who aren't just evangelists. I have friends who are called to preach in, in front of stadiums of people. I have a friend named Ben Fitzgerald, and I, we did school of ministry together. And I remember years ago, um, we had him over for dinner, and Ann and I, this is before we even had kids, we're sitting at our, at our dining room table eating hamburgers and sweet potato fries, and Ben is sharing how God, and he's from Australia, but at ministry school in California, God gave him a vision to fill stadiums across Europe, preaching the gospel under the banner, Europe shall be saved. Not only that, but God told them they were supposed to do their first stadium event in the very place in Germany where Hitler gathered young people with his propaganda to brainwash them with Nazi propaganda and would fill stadiums. And God said, Ben, I want you to fill stadiums in the very fields that that took place because I'm taking back the ground for Jesus Christ. And I want you to fill stadiums preaching the gospel. And he's done that. He's gathered. Well, he's brought in guest speakers and worship teams from all over the world preaching the gospel. And there's videos of masses running to the altar to give their life to Jesus. And listen, I am thankful for people that are, for the Reinhardt Bonkies and the Billy Grahams and the Daniel Kalendas that go to Africa preaching in front of hundreds of thousands of people. But let me just say this. One of the things that I loved about the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the early apostles is that although they preached to masses, to multitudes, to crowds, they were never too busy or caught up with the masses. They were never too busy or distracted to stop for the one to stop for the one person that the Father highlights or brings across your path that you're called to speak to, to encourage, to pray for, or lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everybody say, I'm called to stop for the one. And there's something about being so sensitive to the voice of the Father and the Holy Spirit that when we go to Target 
We know we're not just going to Target to buy some Band-Aids and shampoo and toilet paper. (laughs) We know we're also going to Target as sent ones by God to stop for the one, maybe two people that need a word of encouragement, that need prayer for healing, that need to hear the gospel. Did you know that statistically, the majority of people that come into a relationship with Jesus Christ don't come into a relationship with Jesus through a mass stadium event, but through the witness of a friend or a relative. And I love stadium events. Don't get me wrong. And I believe we're going to see more of them across America. But I also believe that one of the ways God is going to usher in a last day's multitude harvest of souls into the kingdom of God isn't through a few superstars that stand behind a pulpit, but will be through the entire body of Christ that's equipped to stop for the one the Father highlights, to encourage, to touch, to minister to. And I want to talk about stopping for the one, because let me just say this. You never know what the chain reaction is going to be when you stop for the one. You never know when the one person you stop for is going to give their life to Jesus and might be the next Billy Graham, might be the next Reinhard Bonnke or person that preaches to the masses. We need to leave that up to God, but we're called to stop for the one that he leads us to. I mean, think of the chain reaction of the two events that we just read. First of all, when Jesus ministered to that Samaritan woman, I believe she repented and and became a follower of Jesus and changed her lifestyle. In one of the gospel accounts, Jesus actually says to her, go and sin no more. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. I believe that she repented. I believe she changed her lifestyle. But not only that, how many of you know that she instantly became an evangelist? She like drops her water pot, forgets what she's doing, runs into the city and says to the entire city who know her reputation, who know all the things that she's done wrong. But what, how many of you know that one encounter with Jesus breaks, sets you free from the fear of man and what people think? She throws all that away and she says, come, she tells the entire city, come see the man who told me everything I've ever done, who told me everything about me. She, and so they all come out to see Jesus. You know, later, next time, we read later in the Gospels, next time Jesus went to the city of Samaria, it says the entire city came out to hear him. This, this woman's one encounter with Jesus, with his love, with his power, with his mercy and kindness, turned her into an evangelist that led an entire city to Jesus Christ. Same thing with the, the lame the lame man at the, at the gate, beautiful. Peter and John are on their way to the hour of prayer. By the way, they did this day after day. They weren't just going on an outreach. They were just going through their daily schedule, their daily routine. It's amazing what happens when we allow God to interrupt our routine and be a little bit inconvenient sometimes. So, he's, so they're going to the hour of prayer. This crippled man's there. He begs them for money. Peter and John say, look at us. And that's a whole other message in itself. They say, look at us. Silver, gold, I have not, Peter said. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he takes him by the hand. He lifts him up. He's fully healed. And he goes with them into the temple, walking, leaping, 
and praising God. And I love that. How many of you know that's a prophetic picture? He was, he was walking because he was physically healed. He was praising God because he was spiritually healed. And he was leaping for joy because he was emotionally healed. God wants to use you to encounter people to bring wholeness of body, soul, and spirit. And I believe that when we stop for the one, we give God something to work with. What's the chain reaction? This, the, 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 the whole temple, it says all the people that were gathered were in wonder and amazement over what God's done. How many of you know that one act of the power of God puts his glory on display? Not only that, Peter and John get taken in before the, the religious leaders and before the Sanhedrins, the leaders of the people, and, and they're like, by what power did you heal this man? And they're upset, they're jealous, they, they don't like what they're doing. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, if we're being called to account over an act of kindness done to this man, know that it's by the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that he stands healed. And he begins to preach to the multitude. And the multitude heard the gospel. You never know what the chain reaction is going to be when you're willing to stop for the one. So I want to share quickly three ways that God empowers us to stop for the one as we go about our day. And the first way that he wants to empower us is this. He wants to fill you with compassion. Everybody say compassion. See, all through the Gospels, we read how before Jesus did a miracle or ministered, it says he was moved with compassion. Matthew 9, verse 36. It says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and even if I have faith that can move mountains, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. How many of you know faith really pleases God? In Hebrews chapter one, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But how many of you know it's not enough just to have faith? Paul said, if I have faith that can cast a mountain into the sea, but I don't have love, it doesn't even count. God isn't looking for just faith. He loves faith, but he doesn't want just faith in and of itself. He wants faith that expresses itself through love. And I believe that if we're going to be a people that live a lifestyle of stopping for the one, we need to be a people that ask the Father to empower us with his love and compassion for those that don't know him. That's why I like to encourage people, pay attention to your heart when you look at people and when you're out in public. And you know, sometimes when God highlights somebody for me to minister to, a stranger out in public, it's not because I hear the audible voice of God say, go pray for that lady, go pray for that gentleman. I, I pay attention to my heart and I pay attention to the compassion of the Father. 
just yesterday at the gym, you know, we have a lot going on right now. Our house is listed for sale and I'm speaking different places and we have different things. I'm, I'm doing real estate as well as ministry. We have a lot going on, but we took a little time yesterday morning to go to the, go to the gym. And so my wife and I could work out and there's childcare there where our, our girls can go in childcare. So we're working out. I'm like working on a deal at the same time that I'm working out and the girls are in childcare. Comes time to leave. Anna gets the girls. We're going to walk out. And I notice a lady just sitting by herself on a chair against the wall. She had headphones in. She was on a phone call. Then eventually she got off the phone call. And as we were leaving, I just felt that compassion and that nudge of the Holy Spirit to go minister to her. I don't feel a pressure to be profound. I just go up. You know, the Bible says, open your mouth and he will fill it. I just go up and I just start talking and see what God does. But I just said something simple, and, I, and, and Anna took the, took the girls out to the car, and I had Autumn. I said, Autumn, I felt like God said, by the way, my, I have twin girls. They're six years old, and I have a two-year-old London. I love to involve my girls when I stop for the one. Because how many of you know there's no junior Holy Spirit, and it's on-the-job training? <laughs> so I said, Autumn, I felt like God said, I'm supposed to go pray for her. Will you, do you want to come with me? And she said, yes. Yeah. So she came with me and I said, excuse me, ma'am. My name's Chuck. I'm a pastor. And I felt like God highlighted you to me. And I felt like I'm supposed to encourage you. Can I share a word of encouragement? And she, her, her face lit up and she said, yes. I said, the father, it was this simple. I said, the father wants you to know that he sees you and he really loves you. Tears start to fill her eyes. And I say, is there anything I can pray for you for? And she said, yes. She said, I have cancer. And just then I knew it was a divine appointment. I knew that she was the one that I was supposed to stop for. And I said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And I shared some testimonies with her. And, and I said, can I pray for you right now? She said, yes. Yeah. So me and Autumn right there prayed for her. She said, thank you so much. I said, and I went and got a pen and paper. I gave her my phone number. I said, please let me know how you're doing because I really believe that that God wants to touch you. I said, I know he can do it. She said, I do too. And I think she knows the Lord. So she texted me later that night saying, thank you so much for giving me a message from God and for praying for me. I said, you're welcome. I'm gonna continue to pray for you and I wanna know how you're doing. Her name's Maria. And I felt this morning, like I wanted to ask you as my New Life family to join me in prayer for Maria, that God would destroy every bit of cancer in her body. And next time she goes to the doctor, she would have a report that she's cancer free. Can we do that together? Let's right now take a moment. Just let's take a moment. Let's close our eyes and let's put our faith together, New Life family, that the same healing and miracles he does in this room, he can do for Maria right now. So Father, we agree together right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, church, agree with me. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would meet her where she is right now. We rebuke cancer in the name of Jesus. We say peace be still to her body and we release the shalom of heaven, peace over her heart and mind and spirit in the name of Jesus. We say cancer, you are illegal. Get off of her. We apply the power of the finished work of the cross and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we say, by his stripes, you are healed, Maria. So be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just thank the Lord in advance for a testimony. And I just want to say, anybody in this room who yourself or a loved one has been battling cancer, I declare healing over your body. Cancer is illegal. It has to bow its knee in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to I'm going to follow up with Maria and let you know how she's doing.
But see, I was, I was prompted to minister to her by the compassion that I was feeling. And the Father wants to empower you with compassion and love for the people you come in contact with so that you can put his love and his power on display. Amen? The second key that I want to share is this. He wants to empower you with courage. Everybody say courage. Listen, after Peter and John healed this man at the gate beautiful and they were brought before the people and said, by what power did you do this? Peter boldly preaches the gospel. It says this in Acts 4, verse 13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, how many of you know that God wants to use unschooled, ordinary people? He wants to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. When they saw that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that they had been with Jesus. Listen. Spending time in the presence of God, worshiping, praying, reading his word, being filled with his Holy Spirit gives you a supernatural courage that astonishes people everywhere you go. The other day, I was just driving down the highway and I was listening to a message by a a pastor that I love. And he's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and how when we're baptized into the Holy Spirit, it fills you with a strength and a boldness. That's not your own strength and boldness. It's boldness from heaven. And I'm listening to this and I feel the Holy God just convicting me to even be more bold. And I'm, and I'm, I'm listening to this. And how many of you know God speaks through any way he wants to? As I'm listening to this message, I'm driving down the highway and I see this huge billboard and it says, be bold. <laughs> I don't even know what it was advertising. It just spoke a word from heaven. It said, Chuck, don't stop. Be bold. And I want to say, New Life Fellowship, I have the word of the Lord for you. On, on November 13th, be bold, be courageous, be strong, because the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. Everybody say, he's with me. He's in me. He's upon me. And I can be bold and courageous. After they were before the Sanhedrin and Peter preaches the gospel, they're released. They go gather with the rest of the church and listen to this in Acts chapter four, verse 31. It says, after they preached the gospel, okay, and after they were released, it says this in verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. How many of you know that's a good prayer meeting? You gather for prayer and literally the building starts to shake by the power of God. Then it says this, and they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God wants to give you boldness, church. And listen, courage isn't the absence of fear. Don't don't get me wrong. It's just not allowing fear to tell you what to do. I'm gonna say that again. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's just not allowing fear to stop you. It's what one pastor says, stepping over the chicken line. (laughs) You might be in Starbucks. You see someone sitting in a chair and you feel that tug of the Holy Spirit. I want you to go minister to them. Maybe he just says, I want you to go tell that gentleman that everything's going to be okay. Something as simple as, I feel like the Father wants you to know everything's going to be, I don't know what you're going through. He wants you to know everything's going to be okay. You might feel fear. Your heart might be beating. Like, I don't like talking to strangers. 
welcome to the rest of planet Earth. You know, Billy Graham's biggest fear was public speaking. But he didn't allow fear to tell him what to do. You feel your heart beating. Holy Spirit saying, go minister to that gentleman. You feel fear. There's a chicken line right in front of you. And you need to make a decision by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to step over that chicken line, and I'm going to do it anyway. Everybody say, do it anyway. Say, do it afraid. Listen, I still get nervous when I approach strangers, but they have no idea. I approach them like I'm the most confident person in the world because they don't have to know that I'm feeling nervous. They don't have to know. It's not fake. It's actually choosing boldness. It's choosing courage. And I don't scream at them. I don't yell at them. I'm not weird. I'm just confident. I'm relaxed and I'm normal. How many of you know we're called to be naturally supernatural? And, and it's just not allowing fear to stop you. Everybody say, I'm being filled with courage and boldness. And I believe that even tonight, God's gonna set some people free from the fear of man this morning. See, the, fear, the, the, the best cure for the fear of man is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is simply caring more about what God thinks than you do about what anybody else thinks. And can I just say it's so rewarding? And it's almost never as bad as you think it's gonna be. Honestly, the worst persecution I've received approaching a stranger is somebody saying, no, thank you. Or I've had a couple of people like yell at me and swear at me. It's like there's people in third world countries losing their heads for preaching the gospel. I think we can handle a couple of people getting upset and us getting a little embarrassed. Because we're talking about the best news the world has ever heard. He lives inside of us and we have the answer that they're looking for. So let's be bold. Let's be courageous. Let's not allow. And I, I, I feel like I'm going to hear testimonies after this week of you guys stepping out hearing the Holy Spirit, stepping out and speaking to people, ministering to people, and you're gonna come back. It's, I mean, it can get addictive. You're like, man, that was amazing. That wasn't scary at all. I'm filled with the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. When I walk into a public place, I shift the atmosphere because I carry heaven with me. Listen, the world wants what you carry. And it's boldness and courage, like we just read, that causes people to be astonished and take note, they've been with Jesus. <laughs> the third thing that God wants to empower us with is this. He wants to give us power. Everybody say power. Not power that you muster up in your own strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit. Supernatural power from heaven. In Acts chapter one, before the day of Pentecost, Jesus had already risen from the dead. And it says this in Acts chapter one. It says, over a period of 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples talking to them about the kingdom of God. How many of you would like to be there? That's a good conference. 40-day conference, guest speaker, the resurrected glorified Jesus. Topic, the kingdom of God for 40 days. By the way, you never know when he's gonna show up. <laughs> you just need to be there ready, you know? And it says he appeared to them over a period of 40 days talking about the kingdom of God. And then it said, on one occasion, he said this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise from the father 
that will come not many days from now. Talking about the Holy Spirit. And he said this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power, say power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When Jesus said power shall come upon you, he was speaking a Greek word, the Greek word dunamis. Say dunamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive a dynamite, explosive power. Now, how many of you know that dynamite, as we know it in our, in our culture, is used to blow things up? <laughs> it's used to explode things. Like construction workers use this. If people are blasting a road, they use heavy dynamite to blast rocks out of the way. Well, how many of you know that Jesus said that he came to destroy the works of the devil? And he said, he who believes in me, us, will do the same works he does and even greater works because he goes to the Father. Listen, God wants to endue you with such a power from heaven that you destroy the works of the devil with dynamite power that causes the devil's plans to shrink back and us to advance the kingdom of God, blasting roads for heaven, making a way for his kingdom to fill the earth and subdue it. And it's due to his power that he wants to fill us with. Because listen, the world isn't looking for a good apologetic or a good argument or even just good doctrine. Good doctrine is important. But you know what's going to lead people into an encounter with God? It's raw power on display, meeting them where they need it the most. It's us releasing the love and power of God as we stop for the one. Just to give an example of this, years ago, I was 19 years old, on fire for God. I wanted him to use me uh, to share the gospel with people. And I was working for somebody who um, had a kiosk in the shopping mall. And I'm working for extra money over, uh, really any money, <laughs> over the Christmas holidays. And, um, and I'm there. And as I'm working at this kiosk, these teenage girls come. And the guy that I was working for just happened to stop in. And I was there. And... Uh, and we just start sharing the gospel with him. It was around Christmas time. So we, we, my, it, was, it was actually my pastor as well who I was working for. He had a, he had a business. I, he, he asked them, What's the me, who is Jesus to you guys and what does Christmas mean to you? So they started asking, you know, talking you know, about some things. And then just as we're kind of getting into it, this uh, group of teenage boys walk by. They get totally distracted and, uh, and they start following them out of the mall. And all I can say, it was the heart of God and the heart of heaven. I was just like, I was 19. I was maybe, I don't know, three to five years older than them, but I felt the compassion of the Father for their lost souls. And, and, I, just, and I had to say to my pastor, because I felt this, this burden, even of intercession, come on me. And I said, can I just go to the restroom? He said, sure. And I remember going, it sounds crazy, but I remember going, 19 years old, sitting in a stall weeping because I know heaven's real and I know hell's real. And, and I know they need an encounter with the love of the Father. And I'm weeping. I said, Father, will you just please give me another chance to share your love with them? Get myself together. I go out. Sure enough, they come back in. I start talking to them. Security guard comes and starts talking to them about loitering. So I said, hey, let's just go step outside. So we step outside the mall. And it was as simple as this. 19 years old, no Bible school, no formal training, but I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, this might sound crazy. It was three girls at this point. I said, this might sound crazy to you, but a few minutes ago, I just began weeping 
because I've experienced God and I know he's real and I know how much he loves you. One of them got completely freaked out and said, I'm out of here. So she leaves. There's two more. The Holy Spirit just starts working on their hearts. So much so that even as I'm sharing, said, I just know that he's real and he loves you so much. As the words are coming out of my life, the Holy Spirit rests on them and one of them starts shaking under the power of God like this. Her hand's just shaking. She said, why is my hand shaking right now? I said, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) That's the power of the Holy Spirit. This girl hadn't been to revival meetings. She didn't watch Benny Hinn on TV. She doesn't know how to fake this. She's having an encounter with the power of God. Why is my hand shaking? It's the Holy Spirit and he's backing up the truth that I'm telling you right now. And then God started to give me some words for them. I began to prophesy over them. I said, I said, I see you as a little girl in your backyard on a swing set, swinging on a swing set, feeling so carefree, feeling so loved, just enjoying life, so innocent. I said, since then you've been hurt by, by boys who told, told you they loved you. Then they, they turned their back and they hurt you. The father wants you to know he'll never do that to you. She starts crying. I said, Heather, your name means flower. And the father wants you to know that he sees you as his beautiful flower in his garden that he's watching over, that he's jealous over, that he wants to protect. I just share these simple words of encouragement for them. I share the gospel with them. I said, do you want to ask the same Jesus that's talking to you to come live inside of you? Do you want to give your life to Jesus? They said, yes. They prayed with me right there to be born again, to give their life to Jesus, and they surrendered to heaven right there. Can we just thank Jesus? Listen, on Christmas Eve, I got a phone call from a very excited voice. Hello? They said, hi, this is, this is so-and-so. Do you remember me? I said, I said remind me. We're the, we're the two girls in the mall. Yeah, how are you guys doing? They're like, we're doing amazing. In fact, for whatever reason, we can't stop smiling and we can't stop like laughing. And our friends, they were in high school. She said, our friends keep asking us what kind of drugs we're taking. And we just told them, it's none of that. It's that encounter that we had with that guy and that prayer that we prayed. Can we just thank Jesus for putting his love, glory, power on display when we're not afraid to stop for the one? And listen, he wants to endue you with power. And he wants, because God wants to back his word up with this. I mean, the other day I was at the mall with the girls and I'm, and I'm walking, I'm giving Anna a little break. I have all the girls with me and I see this lady um, walking by herself and I have my girls with me and I just walk beside her. I said, how's it going? How's your day going? She told me and I said, uh, I said, do you have any pain in your body? She said, no. I said, well, is it okay if I just, is there anything I can pray for you for? And she said, I'll always take prayer. She was a believer. I said, and just as we're walking with her, I said, well, I just, I just pray blessing over you that the peace of God would rest on you, the power of the Holy Spirit. I just began to release this simple prayer with a confidence, knowing when I pray, it's not just Chuck who's praying. The power of the Holy Spirit is gonna touch her right where she is. I could see her countenance get touched by heaven. And she said, thank you so much. That made my day. And she said, there's something about your voice. Like I could feel something happening. It's not because I have a radio voice. It's because God has filled me and he is upon me and he has filled you and he is upon you that when you open your mouth, when you step forth, heaven is ready to back you up to confirm his word. And I'm just gonna ask them to start just playing some music as I start to close. And 
What I love is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul said, my message and my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words. Listen, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. In Matthew 9, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he said this. Then he said to his disciples, Matthew 9, verse 37. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's saying, pray that God, the Lord of the harvest, will send out workers, that's me and you. So we're called to pray, God, send revival and send workers to preach your gospel. If you skip ahead to the next chapter, Matthew 10, verse one, this is funny to me. It says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now catch this. Jesus kind of tricked them. He's like, listen, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out into the harvest field. They pray the prayer. Then he's like, okay, come here. I'm gonna make you the answer to your own prayer. (laughs) It's one thing to pray for revival. It's one thing to pray that God would change San Antonio, that he would change your neighborhood, that he would change your workplace. It's one thing to pray for revival and pray for God to move, and we need to do that. But my question is this, are we willing to be part of the answer to the own prayer that we're praying? And I believe being part of the answer is being a people that are willing to yield to the Father and say, Father, here I am, send me. You get up in the morning, say, God, show me the one. Show me maybe the two, maybe three people. It'll, it'll vary day by day who I'm called to encourage, who I'm gonna minister to. And I promise you, if you will pray that prayer to God, he will take you up on it. So get ready because he will start highlighting people to you and show you who to pray for. One of the fastest growing churches in the world right now is the church in Iran. And I'm gonna finish with this. And this is... This is Muslim nation where the church is very persecuted, imprisoned, often put to death for professing Jesus Christ. But yet it's the fastest growing church in the world. Why? Because no amount of persecution can stop the kingdom of God and a people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. The church is underground. They can't meet publicly. They have to meet in secret. But do you know what their approach to evangelism and telling people about Jesus is. They wake up every morning and as individuals, they say, Father, show me the one who's ready to encounter your Holy Spirit today. And then they listen to the Holy Spirit. They wait and see where they feel compassion. They see who the Father highlights. Listen, Jesus said he only did what he saw the Father doing. So we have to see with his eyes. God, who is it you're pointing out? And then when they feel like God's pointing someone out, that's the person they go approach, which is a pretty big risk as well, because if they miss it, they could be thrown in prison or killed. But we're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we can, you know, put up with a no thank you once in a while. So they ask God who they're highlighting. 
And they go and they minister to them and they, they have supernatural encounters like crazy because they take God at his word and God backs up his word with power, with dunamis. But this one testimony I heard recently is this, this lady said, Father, show me the one. So she goes about her day and she sees a gentleman sitting by himself that looks discouraged, looks sad. And she walks up to him and she said, why, are you so, why do you look so sad? And he began to share his story and he began to share that he was a drug dealer and everything that came with that lifestyle. And he was sad, he was depressed. He probably had a lot of oppression on his life, just a lot of bad things. And he just looked sad, he looked discouraged and he just shared his story. How many know that sometimes people just need somebody to be the ears of Jesus and just listen to them for a little while? He shares his story and then she said, is it okay if I meet you back here tomorrow at this same spot so that I can share my story? He said, absolutely. So they come back the next day. She shares her story, which is her testimony of how she was transformed by the love and power of Jesus Christ and how Jesus is real and alive and ready to give him a brand new start and a brand new life. And she shares the gospel with him. Nothing seemingly happens at the moment. He goes back to his apartment. And when he was by himself in his apartment, true story, this is, this is the God of the Bible where we read about signs, wonders, and miracles that still does, the, does them today. When this gentleman went back in his apartment, God confirmed his word like this. His testimony is when he got back to his apartment, a white cloud filled the room. Jesus himself walked out of the cloud and he had an encounter with his visible eyes in front of him with Jesus Christ, got radically saved, got born again, and is now one of the evangelists saying, God, show me the one. If God can do that through a lady in Iran, he can do it with us, New Life Church, that we would be a people that, yes, will minister to the masses, but we'll be a people who are yielded and disciplined and obedient and empowered to stop for the one everywhere we go to put the love and power of Jesus on display to lead people into an encounter with heaven. And I just want to say, if that's you this morning, I don't care if you've been saved for 20 years or 20 minutes. If you say, you know what, I need a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit with compassion from heaven, with courage, and with power of the Holy Spirit to put him on display. I want you to run to the front of the room right now. As you say, God, I want you to give me power. Just make your way to the front. As you say, God, baptize me afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit to put your love, your compassion, and your courage on display everywhere I go. I owe the world an encounter with God. So I say, God, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me to the one that needs to hear your voice, that needs an encounter with heaven. So Father, all over the room right now, I pray that you would release fresh baptisms of fire by the power of your Holy Spirit. Right now, God, heaven come, fire in Jesus' name. Fresh infillings, God, of the Holy Spirit and power. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. So God, I pray that right now you would release fresh baptisms of love, 
baptisms of courage, baptisms of fire in the name of Jesus. Fresh infillings, God, all over the room right now. Just begin to put it on your lips and tell God that you're hungry for a fresh touch from heaven. Say, empower me and fill me with your spirit that I might be equipped and empowered to release heaven everywhere I go. More, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, if you have a heavenly language right where you are, I want you to begin to pray in that heavenly language and begin to pray in the Spirit. And those that have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want that gift, now's the time. Just say, Father, fill me with your Spirit.